Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. No uh, more basic truth than what we just sung, um, and that is our need for the Lord. It's not an option, it's not, oh, I can do it by myself part of the time, and the other time I'll let the Lord take care of what the Lord does. No, no, no. We need Him today. We need him tonight, we need him in the morning, we need him at midnight, we need him at 6 o'clock a.m., we need him at 3 a.m. when that baby's crying, we need him at 8 when we're at work, Lord knows we need him at 2.30 when we're ready to go home from work, we need him when we get home, we need him during supper time, we need him at night time, and we need him all over the next day. Amen? Amen. All right. So uh, last week we started a, um, started a little thought process that uh, we want to go through for the next few weeks, and that is um, knowing our identity, knowing who we are in Christ, knowing who God has made us to be. Last week we talked about how being in Christ, two weeks ago actually, we talked about salvation when we did baptisms, uh, we talked about being made new. Last week we talked about all the new things that God does for us, how he gives us a new Lord, a new life, a new heart, a new mind. Um, a new community, a new family, um, all of that comes new in our relationship with Jesus. Um, and today I want to give you a specific characteristic of, uh, a, of, of your new life in Christ. Then we're going to do this, a different characteristic over the next few weeks. So today is a specific characteristic, it's something specific that God makes you when you are in Christ. And that is that God makes you a saint when you are in Christ. S-A-I-N-T, a saint. Now, I told you guys last week that this is what we're going to talk about, and I also told you that some of you are probably thinking, like, not me. And some of you are thinking, yes, definitely me. And the person beside of you are thinking, you're not talking about him, but you may be talking about this person. Well, I'm here today to tell you that if you are a believer in Jesus, I'm talking about you. You, my friend, are a saint. Believe it or not, you are a saint, and we'll talk about and how we get there and what that looks like in our life here in a few minutes. But let's read Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 1, says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Stop right there. So there we see Paul kind of give his greeting for the whole letter of Ephesians. The way these, a lot of these uh, epistles work and a lot of these letters work, Paul wrote this letter to the whole church in Ephesus. They would send it to a church. That church leader would read it to their believers. They would send it on to another church. That church leader would lead it to their, believer, to their believers, would lead it, would read it to their believers, and then so on and so forth. Um, so there, Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful 
in Christ Jesus. Now, depending on what version of Scripture you have, your Bible may say something different. Your Bible may say to the faithful believers that are in Christ. Your Bible may say to the consecrated believers that are in Christ. Your Bible may be like this one here, the ESV, the KJV, I know, says to the saints that are in Christ in Ephesus, this letter is to you. No matter what, your, what version of the Bible you have or what, um, how, it did, how it translates that, that first verse there, know this, it all means the same. Paul is saying, what I'm getting ready to say to you, what I'm getting ready to write down, goes to the believers. He goes to you. He goes to you that are consecrated to God. He goes to you that are in Christ. He goes to you, the saints of the church. This letter that I'm getting ready to write goes to you. Now, listen. It's real easy to read the word, the word saints right there or to read the word consecrated believer and to think that's really cool. And Paul probably really meant that when he wrote it, but he probably meant it for somebody else. He probably meant it to like Peter or he meant it to like one of the other disciples. You know, one of them people that are like really good Christians and not necessarily me or you, but he meant it to some of those people that really knew what they were doing. Some of those people that never messed up, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, those people that wrote the Bible, that's who he's talking about is a saint. That's who he's talking about is a faithful believer. That's who he's talking about is a consecrated believer in Christ. That's who Paul wrote that to. Wrong. Wrong. Paul addressed this letter to the faithful saints in Christ. That's everybody that has put their faith in Christ. Not just the believers, not just the leaders, not just the pastors, not just the disciples, not just the other apostles. That's everybody that has put their faith in Christ. So Paul addressed this to everybody, the saints in Ephesus. So what kind of people lived in Ephesus, you may ask? Let me tell you. Let me tell you. The town of Ephesus was a pagan town, meaning this. They had their own God that was not the God of Scripture that we read about. They had a temple built there for the God of Artemis. I said that wrong. Of Artemis, A-R-T-E-M-I-S, Artemis. Artemis was in charge of everything. To the people in Ephesus, that was their God. That was their provider. That was their um, uh, he was the one that's, that, that takes care of all of their needs. He was their God that we read in Scripture compared to our God. That was their God. Now, in Ephesus, Artemis was a big deal. Why was Artemis a big deal? Because to live in Ephesus, you had to worship Artemis. There was no question about it. You can read about Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. You can read about Paul going through there, and you can see in Acts 19 the trouble that Paul caused when Paul went to Ephesus because he went preaching Jesus, and he went preaching there's one true God of heaven, and the people in Ephesus went crazy. Why did they go crazy? A couple reasons. One, they thought Paul came in preaching a false god because their god is the god of Artemis. Number two, Acts 19 says that there's a lot of people in town that would make statues of Artemis, that would sell their statues, that would make a lot of money out of those statues. Why? Because people loved Artemis. They wanted the statues. And so when Paul came in preaching a different gospel and a different God and a different Jesus, a lot of people lost money when people started believing in Jesus because they no longer worship the God of Artemis. Does everybody follow? 
So what these people do? They went crazy. Read Acts 19 sometime. They caused an uproar. They caused a stir. They shouted at Paul for over two hours. So you know what Paul said? I think it's time for me to go elsewhere. <laughs> I've done what I can do here. I've done it. There's believers here. I think it's time to go. So what were the people, what were the saints like, what were the believers like that Paul wrote this to in the book of Ephesians 2 in Ephesus? They were just like you and I. They were just like me. They were just like you. They put other gods ahead of the God of the scriptures. They were liars just like us. They were cheaters. They were greedy. They thought about themselves. They were self-righteous, just like us. The people in that town is no different than the people in this town. But yet, we here we see Paul says, this letter is going to the saints. And that, my friend, is you and me. So what made them saints? The same things that makes you and us, you and us, you and I, the <laughs> saint today. And that is... What Paul says in those last two words of Ephesians 1, verse 1, that is being in Christ. That is the blood of Jesus, our faith being put into what Jesus Christ did for you and I. So turn to the person beside of you this morning and say, are you in Christ? If they say yes, tell them, you're a saint. I hear some laughter. That's not good. <laughs> Ordinarily, I like you, and I see Susie's face. That's not good either. I don't want to know what was said. I cannot be held responsible for what I do not know. So I don't want to know. So let's go here. We'll, well, hang on. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, in the Catholic Church, in the Catholic Church, they have a whole process to become a saint, to make it to sainthood. Now listen, I'm not speaking ill of the Catholic Church. I have my own feelings and, and opinions on the Catholic Church. You have your own. That's not what we're talking about today. What I am talking about today is how you become a saint in the Catholic Church, and it goes like this. Number one, you have to be Catholic, right? Number two, you have to be dead, Number three, you, there has to be a local devotion that grows up around a group of people at the thought of your memory. Does that, does that have to be good devotion or bad devotion? Because there's some people that have passed on that I could tell you some stuff about. Keep going. Here we go. Um, following that local devotion, um, your life is then investigated by the Catholic Church to see if that local devotion that people think of when they think of you after you have passed, are you really worth that, those good thoughts? Next, there has to be a miracle done in your name. Next, the Vatican has, investigates the miracle. Next, the Vatican declares that you are blessed. Second to last, there has to be a second miracle done in your name. And then finally, the, the Catholic Church, the Vatican declares that you are a saint. Doesn't that sound kind of cool? No, no. Why does that not sound cool? Let me tell you why it doesn't sound cool. 
Every one of those steps I just told you about is man trying to prove to man how good that man was. Does that make sense? Man trying to prove to man how good that man was. To be a biblical saint has got nothing to do with you. It's got nothing to do with me. It's actually me getting myself out of the way and allowing everything that Jesus wants to do through me to be done in me. That's what a biblical saint does. It has nothing to do with me trying to prove to Ken how good TJ is. No, 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 no. A biblical saint is Ken dying to himself, picking up his cross, and following the Lord Jesus. A miracle cannot be done in Ken's name. Devotion does not need to, be, need to come up in Ken's name. What needs to happen is if Ken is a biblical saint, then devotion will come up at the thought of Ken to all that God has done through Ken, to all that God has done around Ken, and to all that God has used Ken to do. A biblical saint and a humanly saint are two completely opposite things. Here Paul says, you're a saint if you're in Christ. How do you get in Christ? To get yourself out of the way. A couple of weeks ago, my friend Dwayne Freeman was here, and he preached out of Ephesians, uh, I think it was chapter 3 or 4, I can't remember, it may have been chapter 2, I'm going to be honest, I don't know, but I do know what he preached about. He preached about taking off the old life and putting on the new life. You guys remember that? He talked about taking off and putting on, and he gave examples of what it looks like to take off and to put on. That is being in Christ. When you take off the old self and put on the new self, which is in Christ, Paul says that, my friends, makes you a saint. So I got three things for you this morning for about the next 15 minutes, give or take. Three characteristics of a biblical saint. Three characteristics of what a biblical saint looks like. You guys ready? You pumped? I can tell. Some of you are pumped to go to Chili's. <laughs> Pumped to get some of that strawberry lemonade. All right, number one, a saint is a redeemed sinner. A saint, a biblical saint, is a redeemed sinner. Everybody follow? A biblical saint is a redeemed sinner. One of the most basic truths of the gospel, one of the most basic foundational truths of all of Scripture is that of redemption, is that of a second chance, is that of a third chance, is that of a fourth chance, and that is what redemption is all about. Y'all, November 4th is right around the corner. That may not mean much to you yet, but when I tell you what November 4th is, I want to see some excitement I want to see some notes being taken so you'll remember this day and it will change your life. Cool? November 4th is my birthday. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. November 4th is my birthday. And this year, your boy is turning 20. I've been, I was 29 15 years ago, okay? Your boy is turning 41. 41. I'm not 107. Hmm. 
41. Last year for 40 was great. 39 was amazing. The first three decades were great. I'm assuming and praying that these next three decades will be just as good. But I'll be 41. I was thinking the other day, Kelly and I were at, well, not that Kelly and I were talking about it, but I told her a list of stuff I'd like to have for my birthday, okay? This isn't something like we have conversations. I just say, hey, listen, you remember this? Go and get me that for my birthday. And then there's like 12 things. And the total of these 12 things is like $12,000. So, yeah. so what does that mean? I ain't getting none of those. <laughs> I'm going to get a cookie from Central Bakery and be super excited about it. Uh, so for my birthday, for my 30th birthday, my lovely and gorgeous and talented wife booked us a trip to Las Vegas. Ain't she the best? So last year for 40, I said, Kelly, it's been another 10 years. Where are we going? She said, where do you want to go? I said, Myrtle Beach. I will, listen, y'all, I will take Myrtle Beach over anything. You may want to go out of the country. You may want to go to, like, Paris or England or Greece or some of that. Give me 13th Avenue in Myrtle Beach. I'm happy as can be. Hey, listen, no lie. Some of the, some, some of the, some of the coolest nights of my life, Myrtle Beach. Some of the worst nights of my life, Myrtle Beach. And all these happened in the late 90s. <laughs> a lot of them were in the same weekend together. Uh, okay, let's move on because I'm going to get. Can you get arrested for something that happened in 1999? Chelsea, is the statute of limitations up? Oh, no. Oh, no. 99 was a long time ago. 99 was a long time ago. That's my, my defense, a long time ago. Now, when you say felony, I kid, I kid, I kid. So can I tell you now at 41 what's some of the best birthday presents you, that I could, I could receive from you all or anybody else? A gift card. You know why gift cards are good? Because you can do whatever you want to with them. You pay for it. I reap the rewards for it. Ain't they amazing? Anybody here got a birthday this week? I'm getting y'all a gift card this week. I'm bringing it by your house. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. D, did you have your hands up? When's your birthday? Tomorrow? All right, y'all. This is my friend D. We're going to sing happy birthday real quick. Ready? Ladies, hang on. We're going to sing to D. We're going to sing to Haley and Nancy as well, both of you. Olivia. Okay, y'all, you, you got to remember this. We're going to say happy birthday to D, Haley, Nancy, Olivia. Everybody got it? D, Haley, Nancy. Okay. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear D, Haley, Nancy, and Olivia. Happy birthday to you. Give them a hand. <laughs> Gift cards are great. Thank you. Thank you. There's a reason why Alex would never let me on stage. Gift cards are amazing because somebody else buys them. 
Somebody else pays the price, and I reap the rewards. My friends, that's what redemption is all about. That's the story of the gospel. That's the requirement to be a biblical saint. Is somebody else pays the price, and you reap the rewards. And that, pi- that price was paid with blood. That price was paid with sinless blood. That price was paid with the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross for your sin and for mine. He paid the price. You and I get to reap the reward. What is our reward? Oh, church. Our reward is forgiveness. Our reward is love. Our reward is grace. Our reward is mercy. Our reward is community. Our reward is being in Christ. And ultimately, eventually, our reward is eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ. Amen? That, my friend, is redemption. That, my friend, is somebody else paying the price and you and I reaping the reward. What is a biblical saint? A biblical saint is a sinner redeemed to a saint. You and I today, at one time, we were a sinner. Today, in Christ, you and I are a saint who still needs forgiveness. Right? Sainthood doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean you're not going to make any mistakes. Doesn't mean you're the perfect human being. You can be a saint and still need forgiveness. Does that make sense? This is what trips up a lot of theological people and a lot of heavy, intense debate between churches and that stuff. And I don't want to get into any of that. What I know is this. I'm not the same person I used to be. I've been made new. I've been changed. I've been set apart. I've been freed. I'm holy. God is using me now because I wouldn't let him use me before. I'm not that same person. However, am I today where I will be tomorrow? No. No. That's why we needed a redemption to become a saint, and a saint needs forgiveness every single day. Amen. Number two. Number two. I'm trying to think of it off the top of my head, but I cannot. Number two. Got it. Uh, Saints leverage their past for the good of the present today. Saints leverage their past for the good of the present. Here's what I mean. You guys know the story of David and Bathsheba? It's found in 2 Samuel. You guys know the story. King David was up on, this, up on the roof of his house when he should have been at war, should have been fighting the war. And he sees this young lady on the roof of her house taking a bath. And he thought, my, 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 look at that young lady there. I got to talk to her. So she had Bathsheba come to his house. They ended up having a relationship. She got pregnant. By the way, she was also married to another man. So to cover up the pregnancy, David had the other man, had the, uh, the, her husband Uriah killed. Um, and so he obviously committed adultery and murder and was not in a good situation. 
So the prophet uh, Nathan come to, come to uh, David and said, David, listen, you're in the wrong here. You need to straighten your stuff up. You need atonement. You need forgiveness. Get your act together. In Psalm 51, you read about David's forgiveness from God. You read about David's crying out to God after his sin with Bathsheba and how God responds to him. So let's look here. Psalm 51, starting in verse 10, says this. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Look at verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. A saint is a redeemed sinner. And a saint uses their past for the good of today. Here David is saying, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. And then in verse 13, he says, help me to teach other people not to do what I've done. Not to go where I've gone. Not to say what I say. Not to be who I've been. Help me to teach other people. Can I tell you something today? The enemy wants you to believe that because of where you've been, because of what you've done, what you've seen, what you've said, the way you have acted, you have no value to the kingdom of God today. God can't use you. Look at you. them trips I took to Myrtle Beach (laughs) you would think there's no way God can use you I've been married three times so there's been times in my life where I not only was away from God but I worked against God so you may be thinking today you don't know where I've been don't matter doesn't matter what you said. Doesn't matter where you were at last night. Because I know that through redemption, God can reach even you. Even you. Remember we talked about last week, the worst of the worst and the best of the best needs, needs, needs to be made new. The same is true here. God can take the worst of the worst change their life, turn them into new, and then God can use you to help other people not to be that worst of the worst type person. That's what God does. However, you know what stops God from doing that? Us, you and me. When we pretend like we got our junk together, we think we're making God look so good Because he loves me. I got no problems. My marriage is a 10 out of 10. My parenting skills is a 10 out of 10. The workplace, 10 out of 10. My relationships and friendships, 10 out of 10. Oh, God's been so good to me. Got no problems. Bills are paid. Food to eat. No worries. No stress. No anxiety. Look how good God's been to me. 
I don't know if that's your life I just described. My guess is it's not. My guess is your life may look a lot more like the reality of my life. And that is, if you come to my house, my house is probably going to be a mess. Physically, what's the other one? Physically. What? I don't know what I'm trying to think of. What's the word when you mean like something in reality and then, yes. Thank you. Physically, our house is probably going to be a little messed up because we have two wild kids. Metaphorically, do our house have troubles? Yeah. Do I cause troubles as being dad and husband? Yeah. Does Kelly cause troubles being mom and wife? Yeah. Sometimes do we argue? Yeah. Sometimes do I mess up being dad? Sometimes am I not the best friend that I could be? Yeah. Sometimes do I fail you as a leader? Yeah. Yeah. By me trying to hide my mess, that does not make God look good, y'all. You know what gives God glory and make God look good? Is giving my mess to the Lord and letting him change my mess. Letting him turn my life around, letting him give me a new life through redemption in the Son of Jesus Christ, that is what makes God look good. What if today God in heaven wants to take your junk, wants to take your mess, wants to take the situations that you are in today and not only change it in your life, but also use that to help someone else around you? but lots of times we don't even like telling people about our junk. Now listen, I'm not saying you need to spread all your junk around. Nobody wants to be made an accessory in the court of law, okay? You ain't got to tell everything to everybody. Yes. You ain't got to tell everybody, everything to everybody. But what I do know is this. If your life's a mess, it's okay. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to have somebody to cry with. It's okay to have someone to pray with. It's okay if you're not okay. And we make the Lord look so much better and give him so much more glory when we, are, when we don't try to hide our mess and allow him to minister through our mess. Does that make sense? A biblical saint is a redeemed sinner, and a biblical saint is someone who leverages their past for today. And then finally, number three, a biblical saint not only believes it here and here, but lives it out here. A biblical saint believes it and lives it. You read in John chapter 8, of a lady caught in adultery. She was caught with another man. And they go and get her, and the religious leaders are getting ready to stone her, they're getting ready to kill her, and of course Jesus comes in. And what does Jesus do? Do you remember? He stoops, the Bible says he stoops down and starts writing in the ground. And then the Bible says that one by one, all the people that were going to stone her, all the people that were going to kill her, they walked away. And then Jesus looks at this young lady and he says, where are those that condemn you? And she says, they're not here. 
And then Jesus says some of the best words you're going to read in all of Scripture. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You guys see the sainthood in that? Redemption? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You believe it. You've experienced it. You've seen it. You have faith in it. Go live it. Jesus is saying, you just missed condemnation. There's none with me. Now you go live like there's no condemnation in me. You believe it, you live it. You and I today, church, we have an amazing opportunity. We have an amazing opportunity to take the word of God to take the experience that we've had with God, to take the fact, the truth, the biblical truth, that you and I have been made new. You and I have been forgiven. We've been redeemed. We've been changed. We've been saved. We've been set free. You and I today have the ability to take that experience in our life and to live it so the people around us can see it. Jesus tells this lady, you're not condemned. Go and sin no more. And he is telling you the exact same thing. Jesus is telling you, I love you. Go and live like I love you. Jesus is telling you, you're forgiven. Go and live like a forgiven person. Jesus is telling you, I've showed you grace. Go and live like a person that has received grace. Jesus is telling you, there is no condemnation in me. Now go and sin no more. Can I encourage you today that once you find your identity in Christ, you will not only see yourself as a saint, but you will also live like a saint. You will also love the way Jesus loves. You will give the way Jesus gives. You'll pray the way Jesus prayed. You'll worship the way Jesus worshiped. You'll sacrifice the way Jesus sacrificed. You'll forgive the way Jesus forgives. You'll give grace and mercy the way Jesus in, in, gives grace and mercy. But that's only if you are in Christ. You can't do any of that on your own. You can't earn your identity in Jesus. It's only found in Christ. Amen? Let's stand together.